Today's episode is with Bob Jones. So Farmer Jones from Farmer Jones Farm, or it's also called the Chef's Garden. Now I want to let you guys know, if listening on audio, if you guys want to actually see this farm and you want to see my interview with Bob, not only that, but also touring, you know, their greenhouses, the actual farm, their soil health specialists, talking to the scientists from their a research lab where they test the mineral content of their vegetables. All of that is on the video form and YouTube. I did not put that entire thing on audio. I am just going to introduce you guys to Bob. So there's Bob and his brother are the two owners of Farmer Jones Farm. So anyway, I want you guys to hear from him and what they're doing. So this is the, the audio version is just me and Bob. If you want to see the full gamut, go through the farm, make sure you check out my YouTube channel to see that because we're, it's pretty cool, but yeah, I wanted you guys to hear from him. I'm so passionate about regenerative agriculture and these guys have regenerative vegetables and that can be kind of hard to find, especially for us consumers. You know, the only time I've been able to find regenerative vegetables is at local farmers markets and it's usually kind of slim picking. So, um, these guys will actually deliver regeneratively grown vegetables to your doorstep. They have a farm box service and this is a new thing. They used to only only provide to chefs for the last 30 years. And it was really, it's it's such a cool story out and I won't spoil it, but basically in the pursuit of incredible taste, they ultimately came into the most nutrient dense vegetable practices that you could do. So in case you don't know what regenerative is, we'll talk about it a little bit, but regenerative is basically a way in which animals and crops are managed that aren't destroying the topsoil and causing us to lose topsoil, lose nutrient density and all of that. So if you wanna learn more about that, I definitely recommend also seeing Alan Savory's TED Talk. The Savory Institute is really big on regenerative ranching. And then these guys are really honestly some of the, the leaders, in my opinion, of what doing such a big scale operation in a regenerative way for plants. So really cool, hope you guys enjoy. Here is Bob Jones. Bob, thank you so much for coming out and talking about soil health, planetary health, human health. I was wondering if you could share a little bit about how you guys got here as a, you know, in Ohio, you're surrounded by... Corn, beans, and wheat. Corn, beans, and wheat. Exactly. So how did this happen? You know, what was the story for your family? We've been vegetable growers all of our life. And... Uh, Dad started growing vegetables in the early 60s, even into the late 50s a little bit, mm. and grew his business. He became a very large wholesale grower. Um, it was, we talk a lot about how in the United States today, agriculture is broken, both economically and agronomically. Mm. And we were a microcosm of that in our family. Mm. Dad's business grew uh, to about 1,200 acres of wholesale vegetables. And he was selling uh, semi-loads of fresh produce. We would load 10 or 15 loads every day. Mm. He had a large retailer in the Midwest that was his biggest customer. Um, they were 120-day uh, pay. Mm. So it was, you know going on six months before you got your money. Wow. At the same time, the, the, the model back in the 80s and still employed today is that farmers will borrow operating capital in the winter. Mm -hmm. You'll farm all season long in hopes that you have a great year and you can pay that back. 
and then you massage the books and you go back to the bank and you beg for more operating money for the next season. Dad's last operating note was 23% interest. Wow. And his largest customer was 120-day pay. And we wondered why that didn't work. Wow. We were borrowing money at 23%. We were loaning it at 0%. And agronomically, at the same time, we were seeing that it was requiring greater and greater amounts of inputs to produce the same or less outputs. Wow. So something was off. We really didn't understand what it was. Wow. Our farm went through several evolutions. We, we lost the farm in 1983. We went from 12 acres in 83 to 6 acres in 1984. Wow. We were a large wholesale, so it was economics 101. Large volume, low margin, wait for your money. To 6 acres of retail. So it was a farm market, roadside stand and farmer's markets. Mm-hmm. It was much lower volume but higher margin, Mm -hmm. cash. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that economic model worked. While we were at farmer's markets, we ran into some chefs. There were chefs in the Cleveland area that could not get good quality produce from their normal vendors, so they started coming to the farmer's market to buy produce. And their business grew and grew, and one chef introduced us to another who introduced us to another. And after about four or five years of doing farm markets and chefs, we had to make a decision. We chose to go with the chefs. And then Lee went out and found every chef he could find. <laughs> and Dad and I figured out how to grow the stuff. The chefs were very, very consistent in their requirements. Flavor, aesthetics, flavor, shelf life, and more flavor. <laughs> what We started growing and selecting varieties and growing specifically for flavor. What we didn't know... 30 years ago was that as we were selecting for varieties and growing for flavor, that we were dragging nutrition along, kicking and screaming. (laughs) Right. You know, color is nutrition. Color is flavor. That just wasn't our target. It was an unintended consequence. Here we are. Imagine that. Yeah. Food that tastes good is nutritious. That's crazy. The best example that I can think of is the Burger King tomato. (laughs) If it weren't round and red, you wouldn't know the darn thing was a tomato. Nope. The box it comes in has more fiber than the tomato. (laughs) But everybody recognizes that. And actually, tomato breeders around the world did exactly what the industry asked them to do. Right? Grow for consistency of size and shape and shipping characteristics. Wow. So that that tomato could withstand a ride from Mexico to New York City. Right. They did exactly what the industry asked them. Flavor was left out of the equation. And now here we are growing heirloom varieties on healthy soil because the darn things actually taste good and people will eat them. They taste so good. I just had one of your pineapple tomatillos Uh, say, unreal, life-changing. It's like candy. Candy. I was like, is it going to be rude if I just start binge eating these in front of them? Or, Yeah. And, and even the tomatoes I had last night, you know, these beautiful heirloom tomatoes, it was like, I, I literally felt sad. I literally felt sad. I mean, I felt grateful and I also felt sad because I was like, no wonder people aren't eating healthy food natural foods because they don't normally taste like this. It was like every pleasure center in my brain was like, yum, you know? And I was like, think about how much more kids would eat vegetables if they tasted that way. And on top of the taste, like you talk about dragging nutrition with it, like you're not just 
guessing on that. You actually know. You guys actually have a research facility here where you're looking. You're, you're curious. Like, how nutritious, how does this compare to the stuff that was grown in Mexico and driven across borders? Can you share a little bit about, sure. like, why, why did you start doing that? How did that come about, and what have you found? Well, we, we certainly are curious, and the curiosity is really what has driven the business. So we had a customer base who was looking for flavor and shelf life. Mm. And we set about to try and learn how to accomplish that, how to meet and exceed customer expectation. Yeah. And so we built a, a very crude lab that preceded this one. It was in an old truck, semi-truck awesome. that was set on the ground. <laughs> and we started looking at soil health. We started looking at plant genetics. Mm. So we don't use any GMOs or genetically modified, but we do uh, employ genetic selection. Mm. So we'll plant 100 varieties of a specific tomato, and we will select out the 10 healthiest plants, mm. and we'll save seed from those 10. And then we'll do it again and self-select again. Wow. And we will do variety trials with chefs wow. and let them tell us which awesome. is their favorite tomato Amazing. but figuring out how to grow this stuff and then correlating our growing methodologies to soil health uh, plant health and then human health now we're correlating that back as we learn more and more about rotation and cover crop and fallow we're using multi-species cover crops so when we plant cover crop on a piece of land that is not going to get vegetables this year, we will plant 10 to 12 different species of cover crop in that planting. Diversity is beneficial in life. Yep. Now, you can employ that a hundred different ways. Every plant species is a host to a different range of bacteria and fungi in the soil. So if you have one crop you get a very narrow band of biology that is right. is being supported by that plant root exudate. If you plant 10 to 12, you have a diversity of plant species, a diversity of microbiological life, and you can actually unlock legacy minerals that are in the soil. Hmm. We're about three miles from Lake Erie. We have a real problem in Lake Erie with algal bloom as a result of phosphorus and nitrogen runoff of ag land. Now, ag isn't the only contributor to this. There are others as well, but ag is the primary one. We have more phosphorus, legacy phosphorus, in our soils than we need to grow any crop we grow. It's just not in the right chemical form to mm -hmm. be available to a plant. Plants need mm -hmm. nitrogen. Plants need phosphorus. Mm -hmm. If you can unlock that, legacy mineral in the soil. You don't have to supplement it with right. um, petroleum-based fertilizers, yeah. okay? That's where most of our fertilizers come from, our petroleum derivatives. We didn't use uh, man-made amendments in agriculture until after World War II. There were lots of chemicals being made for the war effort that were no longer needed yeah. post-World War II and they started using them in agriculture. Yeah. If they put these certain chemicals on the field, the weeds didn't grow. Well, yeah. Oh my gosh, let's do that. I read, I got curious who cre was the original creator of glyphosate. And it was the guy who created the gas for the gas chambers in Nazi Germany. Literally, 
was the chemical genius that they created glyphosate for. I was like, go figure. Right. <laughs> so what we've learned over the years is that maybe some of those practices that we employed early on yeah. in modern agriculture aren't the best for us. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, we tend to look at natural processes and how do we accentuate natural processes? Multi-species cover crop, mm-hmm. healthy soils, healthy plants, healthy people, healthy planet. When we're planting a multi-species cover crop, we can sequester 10 times the amount of carbon from the atmosphere as a mature forest. So we're pulling carbon from the air and putting it in soil organic carbon, and we're using that uh, native phosphorus, native legacy nitrogen to grow that crop. Hmm. Um, But when the soil becomes healthier, the plant becomes healthier, and that makes product the the food the end result taste better and be more nutrient dense. Yeah. It all works together right. when we better understand natural processes and then leverage nature. Yes. We're really all about energy. Yeah. So plants through photosynthesis are converting light energy to chemical energy. As a in general plants use about 50% of the photosynthetic energy that they produce. The rest is excreted out through the roots into the soil and becomes a food source for that microbiological life Mm -hmm. in the soil. Mm -hmm. So there's a symbiotic relationship between the plant and the organism in the soil. We work a lot with photosynthetic efficiency. Mm -hmm. How do we create an optimum environment for those microbes to live in the soil and feed them? You know, microbes are no different than you and I. If we're getting enough rest, we're eating right, mm-hmm. and we're getting a little bit of rest, mm-hmm. our bodies perform better. Right. Microbes are the exact same way. If they're getting the food, if they're getting the rest, so don't plant a crop on it every year. Let it set fallow. But when it's fallow, multi-species cover crop to feed that soil, not just barren. We don't want right. bare soil ever because you're now you're releasing carbon into the atmosphere right. versus sinking carbon in. Right. So, not- we have learned a lot, and and probably the most important thing we've learned, Tara, is how little we know. <laughs> you don't know how much you have to know just in order to know how little you know. <laughs> well said. Yeah, and I, you know, I took a little stroll through your property over by your culinary veg- vegetable institute. It's called correct, and you know, Amy told me told me I could walk through there, and it's very just heavily dense plants everywhere, and I just. As I was walking through, I just thought, we're making it so hard on ourselves. Like, I saw a, a orange leaf fall off a tree and right in front of me and hit the ground. And I thought, nature just takes care of it. Nature's like, okay, you lived your life. Now you're going to turn back into compost. You're going to feed the soil and the microbes. And then we're going to grow again. And it's just the cycle that just takes care of itself. And I understand that we, you know, we intervene sometimes because we want to grow, but the way you guys are doing it is you're mimicking nature. You're saying, how does nature do it? And how can we, how can we help? How can we be stewards and assist in this process versus completely removing ourselves from the natural processes, which is a lot of what we've done. You know, some people are a little bit, uh, they, they think it was malice and maybe it was on how I, I look at it as I don't think we realized what we were doing, you know, and now, like, as you said, we've learned more and I'm curious as you've gone through this price process of, okay, unlocking these minerals, uh, you know, uh, not to mention the water conservation that's got to happen from mm-hmm. having these cover crops, you know, not having the ground super hot by having the cover crops. What have you guys learned in terms of, um, the nutrient density of the plants? Well, certainly, 
any time that you grow and utilize a natural process, everything becomes better. Mm -hmm. So our soils have the ability to regenerate mm -hmm. and heal themselves mm -hmm. if we follow the natural processes. Isn't it amazing? Our bodies are exactly the same way. Yeah. Our bodies can heal themselves and regenerate themselves if they're getting the same things that the soil is getting. It's getting proper food, enough hydration, and rest. Yeah. That's when we tend to, to get sick is when we're run down, we're not eating properly, right. we're not exercising enough, right. and our bodies tolerances are and our resistance to disease is lessened right. and then the disease overcomes it's survival of the fittest yeah right right whichever is dominant right in soil it's aerobic bacteria or anaerobic bacteria and you want you want anaerobics but at about 10 to 1. A little bit of stress is good. Too much stress, Absolutely. not good. Exactly. <laughs> and so understanding these natural processes brings along the flavor and the nutritional density. Yeah. As chefs 30 years ago asked us to grow the most flavorful produce that we could possibly find, we had no idea that we were dragging nutrition along, right. kicking and screaming. Right. Eat the rainbow. Yeah. Color is flavor. What we have learned in our lab is that, you know, when you get the reds and the red lettuces and you get those phenols and the phytonutrients and, and you get things so important to the regeneration of our health that we've lived so long and, and, and consumed so much highly processed food that all of those good things are processed right out of our food. Right. And then we wonder why, as that nutritional <laughs> density has fallen, Human health maladies have increased, yes. and they're almost an inverse relationship. Mm -hmm. And we wonder why that is so. We, we have the cheapest per capita spending of any industrialized nation in the world on food. And we have the highest per capita spending of any industrialized nation in the world on health care. Yeah. There's a direct correlation. 100%. We are paying for our cheap food. Yeah, right. And it's killing us. 100% word that I heard somebody say once, we're the first, for the first time in human history, we are overfed and, and malnourished. We have obese people dying of malnutrition in our right, country. Right, right. You know, and it's, I, I always tell my clients and people that I talk to, to be a nutrient hunter. If you can look at nutrition that way, just hunt how many nutrients can I get into my body it just gets so easy. Well, like your it, body will sort it out and it will pull what right, it needs. Right, right. Plants are the exact same way. Mm. The plants need different minerals at different stages of growth. Mm -hmm. It's amazing mm. how that plant knows what it needs when it needs it. And that's when it will absorb wow. those minerals. Wow. Exactly when that plant needs it. Whether it's early in its life stage, whether it's producing a flower, wow. whether it's producing a seed. Mm. It will pull different amounts of energy from photosynthesis wow. or from the soil. Wow. It's, I never thought about that. That The plants are intuitive. It's kind of like, you know, as an example, I love sweet potatoes. A lot of my friends know that I just love sweet potatoes. And I also love chickpeas or garbanzo beans. And I did a hair mineral analysis and found out that I was low in manganese, right? And so I got curious. Two of the highest sources of manganese, sweet potatoes and chickpeas. I was like, ah, no wonder I wanted my body's like, eat those, please. Right. Eat it's, those. It's you know, telling and the you plants, what it needs. And the plants are doing that too. Absolutely. They're intuitive with what they need. And if the soil is healthy 
And if you have right. the, the soil balanced nutritionally, then the plant can grow and thrive. Mm. That's why it's so... We talk a lot about here on the farm that soils are the most important crop we grow. Mm. Healthy soils, healthy plants, mm. healthy people, healthy mm. planet. Mm. Yeah, I, if, I've, I'm a geek on this, so I don't know if you've seen... Um, uh, What's that soil documentary? Now it's escaping. Kiss the me. ground. Kiss the ground. Mm. You know, and if you guys haven't seen that, I definitely recommend you know watching Absolutely. that one. But it's it's all about that and helping us understand that like we are all one. We are all connected, right? And we forget that sometimes. We our chicken is the same thing as a cheese it. It's like no, <laughs> it's not the same thing. And the more we can increase the biodiversity, that I think for me, like I feel like I have very good gut health, and I think the reason why is because I eat so many different things. Right. And I try to eat as nutritionally dense as possible. I, you know, minerals, vitamins, I'm hunting for it always. I'm like, here you go, body, you're going to love this. And I think as we get into that mindset, and that's why I really appreciate, I was telling you, I was telling Amy, I really appreciate what you guys have done because for those of us who understand that we don't want to eat empty foods anymore. We want to eat foods that are nutritionally dense. And I have four kids and I know as a parent, it's like, I'm trying to give that they're going to eat the talkies and have Mountain Dew at their friend's house. And it's just, it's going to happen, you know, but for me, what I'm trying to show them is like, see how you feel when you eat this thing that's full of nutrients, cut this up yourself, connect with it, you know, and get those nutrients in your body. I feel like if we have the nutrients in place, we have that diversity, we have all the things our body needs, they can deal with the stressors, stressors better. But when you're missing key vitamins, key minerals, those stressors become big. So I really appreciate what you guys are doing. And I love, I just, I can't get over, I love that it came as a byproduct of just trying to make your vegetables taste really good. It's just, I love it, you know, and I appreciate what you guys have done and just decades, decades of, of just consistently, how can we improve this? How can we improve this? You know, because it's vital for planetary health. I, I hope that there are other farmers, <laughs> you know, that might come across this episode that are inspired by it because there's a huge need for it. There's a lot of people who want it, you know, and I, I, I also appreciate that the shutdown kind of pushed you guys into a place where you're now delivering to the general public, you know, <laughs> because everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And if we're lifelong learners, we don't have this figured out by a long stretch. <laughs> But we've learned enough to excite us yeah. to go further faster. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, there are not very many farms in the United States today that are farming regeneratively. No. I believe, we believe very strongly that this will be market-driven. Yes. As more and more consumers say, we will not support highly processed food and hollow calories any longer. Yep. Political vote matters that much in the state of Utah. I'm just going to be real. <laughs> I know which way it's going to go every time, you know, but with my dollar, every single time that I say, I, I'm behind this, I, I vote for this. And it's, it's at least $10, $20, $100 away from the things that I don't want to have happen anymore, you know? And if, if we're against, I think, I think all of us are against the CAFOs, you know, the, the, the animal feed lots and the just, we're t- if you're tired of this, it's like, show up, you know? And I know not everybody, I don't know, I, I actually have mixed feelings about the money thing because 
for example, your wonderful people here gave me a delicious box of carrots and greens and uh, rainbow chard and eggs and, and just all sorts of wonderful things. And I, I cooked up a feast this morning. I just, I mean, I was chopping up everything, potatoes, squashes, and I'm frying them all up. And I'm like, I look like I barely dented into this box. I just cooked like a huge amount of food for like a family. And, and I look like I barely touched this. And I think when you look at it that way, if you're eating real food like that, that's nutrient dense, instead of eating out, I think it's cheaper. I really do. I do think that most people could make that shift in the way they're eating. And, and like you said before about healthcare, it's like down the road, not only do you get to live a higher quality of life, like you just feel better all the time, you'll probably make more money because you're going after goals in life because your brain works and your body's thriving. And then on top of it, you're not having to pay for all this healthcare in the end. Like, I think it's, I literally think it's less expensive to live that way, you know? And I think it's a mindset switch that people have to have. But if, if you want to, push into eating higher quality food. It's like, okay, don't go to McDonald's. Don't go to fast food. Don't eat out for lunch. Like make some of this stuff, bring it with you and just watch. Cause I feel, I eat that way. And I feel like I spend less money on food than most people. When I go out to a lunch, if I take my kids, I'm like, that was $60 and we're going to be done right here. I could have gotten a whole huge amount of regenerative meat or vegetables and made endless meals with that, you with know? The same so amount of dollars. With the same amount of dollars, you know, and it's way more nutrient density and it's time at home. And so I'm, I'm calling you guys out. I'm, I'm making a push for it because the more we support people who are doing what you're doing, the more the other people who are doing the things that we're not super big fans of, they start paying attention. They're like, oh, well that, I mean, I guess I'll just do that since that's a more profitable business model. Right. right. And so that is where we have the power to actually make a difference. And I'm grateful to you guys because I don't want to be a farmer. I don't want to be a rancher. Uh, thank you for doing it. Thank you for doing it. You know, and the least I can do is support so that right. I can have access to those things. Cause otherwise I got to do it all myself and I don't really want to do that. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Really appreciate your yeah. interest in what we're doing. We're very passionate about what we yeah. do. We love what we do. Yeah. We like Shows. to talk about it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's amazing to us. Um, the amount of interest that people are having today in it, even we're talking to insurance companies now mm. and talking about awesome. preventative care awesome. and early detection and then uh, early detection of, of coronary disease and getting people on high nitrate leafy greens nice. for nitric oxide production right? and being able to prevent um, and in some cases reverse coronary disease. Amazing. It's all work that's been done by the medical professionals. We know carrots and lettuce, right? but we know that they taste good. We know we've been able to verify that, that certainly the, the closer to consumption or the closer to harvest that you consume, the better off it is. But there's a difference in the varieties and how things are grown to make it healthier for you. Mm. And that's really our life's goal is mm -hmm. to create an opportunity for folks who are really passionate, as passionate about this as we are, to have a ready access where we can grow it and, and wash it and package it right here on the farm and it can be at your doorstep the next morning. It's amazing. Thank you for creating that. That It's, it's so, and it's, I, I, you, uh, Amy shipped me one of your boxes, so thank you so much. And it, I cannot tell you, like when my kids 
open that, but they were so excited about it. We did everything stopped. Everybody stopped and just started cutting up stuff, tasting stuff. Like it was this, um, bonding experience, right? And they wanted to try cooking them. And so just encourage you guys to just try one of their boxes seriously and get your kids involved because they, they were so excited about it. They were eating it, you know, and it's, I mean, you're, you've got eggplants that are this big. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's fun. It's literally fun, you know? So thank you for creating it. Thank you for making it accessible to people like us. I was beyond excited to find out about you guys. I was just like, They've got the plants. I can't find regenerative plants anywhere. They got them and they'll ship them to your door the next day. I was losing my mind. So thank you. Thank you for the work that you put in. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for sharing with us. I'm beyond grateful. Thank you. Appreciate you coming out. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Inside Out Health Podcast. I hope this episode served as inspiration and something that you needed to hear in your life. If you have a friend or family member that you think would benefit from this episode, please share it with them. And also please subscribe. I have so many more amazing guests coming. I have just been so gifted and honored to meet so many incredible health professionals in my career, and I cannot wait to share their messages with you guys. So please subscribe. And if you could be so kind as to rate my show, I would really appreciate it. This podcast is honestly an intuitive call to me to help spread goodness to the world. And so if you guys can help me do that, I would really appreciate it. If you want more info on this guest, pop over to my website, check out my podcast section, and you can get links to everything we talked about in the show um, and find out more about this guest and what where you can go from here. Make sure you're also following me on Instagram. Uh, that is my most active platform. You can find me at Coach Tara Garrison. You can also find me on YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter. Everything is Coach Tara Garrison across the board. And then yeah, if you want to send me a message, guys and let me know other guests or other topics you want to hear on the show please let me know I am here to serve you so I would love to hear from you would love your feedback on the show and if you share any of these episodes please tag me on social media it's coach Tara Garrison 